of Jeremiah, chapter number 17. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, and when you hear that book and you hear that chapter, you probably have an idea of where we're going and you would probably be right. Jeremiah chapter number 17, and look down, if you will, to verse number 9. And we're going to read two verses tonight, Jeremiah 17, 9 and 17, 10. 9 is one we know well. Just remain seated tonight, if you don't mind. And we're going to read those and jump right in, since we already have prayed and asked the Lord to bless it. Jeremiah 17, 9, the Bible says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's a question. And then watch what verse 10 says. We're going to preach out of this tonight, uh, something I think we can all relate to. Verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Now, verse 9 is a verse we oftentimes uh, quote and we preach out of it. And I, I hope it is something, whether we want to admit to it or not, we can all relate to. Uh, have you ever been surprised at an emotion you've had in your heart? that you knew was not in accordance to the Word of God and you knew was not pleasing to God. I'll be the first to tell you, absolutely. There have been times I have seen just how verse number 9 is so true in my own life. The heart can be dangerous and desperately wicked and it's deceitful. I often joke about Jiminy Cricket and how Jiminy Cricket was uh, in Pinocchio talking about following your heart and the importance of following your heart. But can I tell you tonight, that is definitely something you better beware of because your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Our heart is what? Our heart is the seat of our emotions. All right? The very seat of our emotions, all of what we do and how we think and how we live our life, it stems from our heart. Matthew 12, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So long before you said those kind words or unkind words to your spouse or maybe a coworker, they originated first in your heart, all right? Out of the abundance or the overflow, that's where they come from. That's why this matter of the heart is of the utmost importance that we understand how to handle that. Let me give you a few examples in Scripture tonight. In the book of Exodus, we have the people of God preparing to build the tabernacle, the habitation of God. This wonderful, wonderful building that God, or this tent that God had outlined everything down to the detail of the furnishings. I mean down to gold and the, uh, all of the, the candlesticks and how the, the tent would be woven and what it would be woven out of. And the Bible says that the people came and they gave according to their heart. Their giving and their service to God, it stemmed from their heart, as I believe all of our service to God should stem from our heart. But then I want you to think on the other hand of this tonight. Romans chapter 1 and verse 21, the Bible speaks about a very wicked people. A very wicked people that was rebellious to the will and the word of God. And you keep reading in Romans chapter 1 and you'll find that, oh my goodness, these folks are going to go off the, the deep end. The Bible says about these people that their foolish heart was darkened. At the root of who they were and what they did was their heart, a heart that had become darkened. Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 21, the Bible says, we do what we do for from within the heart. That is the seed of all that we do. How many of you have heard, maybe on the news, maybe you've watched a movie or maybe you've watched a show about this, about crimes of passion? Have you ever heard that term? A crime of passion. That means in the moment uh, an emotion was there, a heart was stirred, and someone killed someone out of a crime of passion, okay? <clears throat> I have read stories about mothers of three in their minivans. I believe it was in Georgia several years ago. 
Uh, and this lady cut this lady off as she was trying to get on an on-ramp, if I'm not mistaken. And this mother, who probably just baked cookies for her children and packed their lunches, and just your average everyday mother, went into a road rage attack, and if I'm not mistaken, killed the other person. Now, you would never look at this mom and think of that mom as being someone who would be a, a killer and probably never entered her mind that she would go to prison for road rage. But it was one of those crimes of passion. It was where she acted out upon the emotions of her heart. That's why listening to our heart can get us into trouble. All right? I know that. Oh, do I know that. I have gotten myself into so much trouble by not understanding what we're going to preach about tonight on how to handle your heart. How to handle your heart. I, I, I was thinking as I was outlining the message this afternoon, man, I wish that we had more of our folks in here. I know everybody's scattered all over property tonight. This is something we've all got to learn how to do. And this is something even after you learn how to do it, you're going to have to relearn how to do it. But verse number 10 <clears throat> shows us helps for handling our heart. Let me tell you, this will apply to raising your children. This will apply to you and your spouse. This will apply to you and your co-workers. How to handle your heart. And we're going to go straight to God's word and see how to do that, okay? Uh, real quickly, look at verse 10. Well, look at verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? Now, here's what he's saying. Your heart is so dangerous. What happens in your heart and the emotions of your heart are so dangerous and so volatile uh, it, is, it is a lot like nitroglycerin, not the one you take uh, as a pill form, uh, but the one that you blow up things with. Uh, you ever see the old westerns and they had the little jars of nitroglycerin? I don't know if you ladies watch westerns or not, but uh, I'm a guy, so I, I watch westerns, okay? And they'd have those jars of nitroglycerin. Uh, and those, uh, those jars of nitroglycerin would be wrapped in cotton in these cases because if nitroglycerin gets bumped and everything blows up, all right? Even if you don't know that it does that, just trust me, it does that, uh, and it's bad when stuff blows up, okay? That's the way our heart is. Watch. It's deceitful and desperately wicked. It is so volatile. The Bible says it ends in verse 9 in a question. Who can know it? Do you know what he's really saying by that statement? We can't know it. That's what he's saying. Who can know it? Don't think for a moment that we are the controllers of our heart. We can't know it. You say, well, bummer. I mean, I've got this heart, and I have these emotions, and so basically I'm a ticking time bomb. We are. We are. You're thinking, well, I didn't come to church to find out that, you know, I could go off on anybody at any moment. <clears throat> Did you see the story on Fox News this week of the pilot who shut down the engines? Did you see that story? It was a pilot that was flying back. To, uh, he was in the jump seat behind the pilot and the co-pilot, but he was just riding back to his hub airport, and all of a sudden he stands up and flips two levers and shuts off the fuel to the airplane. Not something you want to happen. 747s don't glide very well, or 737s don't glide very well. And he looked at the stewardess, and he says, basically, I've been using magic mushrooms. You better restrain me. Number one, I don't know what magic mushrooms are. I thought it was a cereal at first. You know, I'm thinking, you need to stay away from that cereal. It was some psychedelic drug, and they finally zip-tied the man. I mean, that man, my soul, talking about volatile to shut the fuel off to a plane. That's volatile. That's how we can be spiritually if we don't know how to handle our heart. So watch what verse 10 says. Verse 9 says, who can know it? Verse 10, I, the Lord, search the hearts. Do you know what God is saying in verse 10? 
you can't handle your heart, I can't handle my heart. It's a swirling emotions that get out of hand and are very dangerous. But watch this, I the Lord search the hearts. Do you know what God is telling us? God is telling us you can't handle your heart, you can't control the emotions of your heart, but he says, I the Lord can. I the Lord can. Number one tonight, helps in handling your heart. Number one, here's how we do that. Number one, allow God to have access. He says, I, the Lord, search the hearts. If we want to learn how to handle our hearts and all the emotions that enter into our hearts, can I tell you what we've got to do? We've got to realize I can't. I can't. I cannot control. I mean, how many times in Scripture do we see great men and women of God who lost control? David, a man after God's own heart. I talk to our guys so many times at camp. Every year we talk about uh, men and the downfall of men. And you look in the Bible, David, a man after God's own heart. What happened? His emotions got stirred. Something got stirred inside of him when he saw Bathsheba. Solomon, one of the wisest men, if not the wisest man who ever lived. What brought him down? Same thing. Samson, the strongest man who ever lived, and oh my goodness, I mean, I can't wait to watch on the jumbotron of heaven and see Samson stealing the gates of the city. I hope we're able to see that one day. But Samson was brought down on the bottom of a pile of rubble. What happened? Something in his heart got stirred that not even those great men could control. So how do we control that? Number one, the Lord says, I, the Lord, search the hearts. What is he saying? Allow God to have access. Have you learned anything about yourself tonight that maybe I have already learned about myself for sure? That your heart can cause you great grief or great grace. Have you learned that? That out of my heart can proceed grace and graciousness. But also out of my heart can proceed grievous things tonight. How do we learn how to handle that? What did David say? David said in Psalms 138, he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. David says, I need you to search me, God. Do you know what he was doing? He was allowing God access. You've got to allow God access. You've got to allow God to get on the inside and do what only God can do. It's kind of like open heart surgery. I, I've never had open heart surgery, but I've been there for many of our folks who've had open heart surgery through the years. Do you know if I have heartburn, I can take Tums? And that's how, that's one of those markers where I know that I'm getting older. A kid came up the other day and he says, do you have any candy in your pocket? I says, let me see. I reached my hand out of my pocket and instead of lifesavers and, and jelly beans, it was Tums. I says, this is all I got. He says, well, I want one. I says, okay, you're welcome to have one. He didn't enjoy it very much. I can take a Tums for my heartburn, but you know, there are some things that I can't take a pill for. There are times that doctor is going to have to go in there. He's going to have to open it up, and he's going to have to have access to the inside of it. Now, thanks be to God that he gives doctors that kind of knowledge. I'm so thankful I'm not called to be a doctor. You people who work in the medical field, God bless you. Uh, I get thanked. Brother Wayne was picking on me at the ER the other night, all right? He says, haven't you ever cleaned a deer? I says, yes, but I've never cleaned a person, you know? Deer blood, rabbit blood, animal blood, okay, I can handle that all day long, but not people blood. And the first time I ever as a pastor went into the cath lab with one of our members and the doctor began showing us graphic pictures of what was going on in our church member, one of the men who had driven me to the hospital that night, he says, Pastor, you're looking kind of pale. I was about to leave this world for a few minutes. 
all right? I'm not a heart doctor. There are some things I can control. I can control heartburn. But when it comes to things that require open heart surgery, you better go to somebody who's qualified to handle that need. Now, that's God for us. He says here, I the Lord. Now, watch verse 9. Who can know it? We can't know it. We can't control it. Verse 10, the Lord steps up and he says, I the Lord. Hey, don't worry. I know that you may deal with anger, and I know you may deal with doubt and worry and fear, all emotions that, by the way, can lead you off a cliff. Can we agree with that? Our emotions can lead us to a place we don't want to go, and we're thinking, am I subject to this my whole life? No, I, the Lord, search the heart. The Lord steps in, and he says, listen to me, you can't know it, you can't handle it, but I, the Lord, can. Aren't you glad for that tonight? Now, notice... When David said, search me, O God, he says, and know my what? Heart. I, I want you to know this. I, Father, Father, I, I can't know this. I can't discern it like you can discern it. And so, God, I'm asking you to access my heart, get there on the inside, and do a work that only you can do. It's kind of like a search warrant, okay? Now, I'm not going to ask you tonight if you've ever been served a search warrant, okay? Uh, I hope not, uh, but I've seen it on a few movies before. Well, they'll knock on the door, and they have this paper, and they says, we're here to search your property to see if you have the missing jewels, right? And he said, well, I'm not going to let you in. They said, well, we're, let, we, we're coming in whether you like it or not because we have a search warrant. Can I tell you tonight, you have to be willing to give God that license to search your heart. Oh, he wants to. He wants to help you sort out the heart that you can't know and the heart that I can't know. I mean, look, folks, we are mortal man. There's no way that we have the discernment of an almighty God who can sort out our emotions and our feelings. He wants to, but we've got to give him that. You know what it's called when we don't do that? It's called the same problem that Pharaoh had in Egypt, the hardness of his heart. The hardness of his heart. You know... I believe God could have saved old Pharaoh and could have saved Adolf Hitler and could have saved Saddam Hussein. But boy, if we never ever allow God to do a work in our heart that only God can do, then our heart begins to callous over. It gets hard. I've, I've heard many times from people about this, this, this word of conviction. You know, I'm not convicted about this and I'm not convicted about that. Can I be truthful with you t- tonight? Oftentimes the reason we're not convicted about some things is we won't allow the Lord access to convict us. Conviction is when something goes deep into our heart. You look at the very word conviction, and it literally means piercing, going deep. Oh, how our Father wants to go deep down inside of our heart and do spiritual open heart surgery, but we will not allow him to do that. There have been things I have not wanted to let go of. There have been things that I have not wanted to get right with God. Oh, my life, many times in my life. But finally, I go to God and I say, search me. I don't have peace. I don't have joy in my life. Father, search me. And boy, he pierces deep. And there's that conviction. And then we have to act upon that conviction. But it starts with what? Number one, allow God to have access. When you read verse number 10, here's the way I read it. Sometimes we want to read verses like the Lord's being the sheriff. I, the Lord, search the heart. I'm here and God's mad. Here's what I believe verse 9 and verse 10 are saying. The the heart is desperately wicked and it's dangerous. You can't know it. And God's raising his hand and saying, hey, hey, I can. Don't worry. You don't have to be subject to your emotions that are dangerous and will destroy you. I, the Lord, search the hearts. You remember as a kid in class, you always had that one smart nerd in the class. Everybody have a nerd in their class? Amen. Brother Chris is pointing to his wife over here. 
don't know if that's the smartest thing in the world to be calling your wife a nerd in front of everybody, but uh, I do free marriage counseling. We can take care of that after the service. Amen. Remember when you were in class and you always had that one kid who loved to answer the questions? Ooh, ooh, ooh. You remember that one? Miss Angel's back there like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. No. They always wanted to answer the questions. And as a matter of fact, it would always aggravate the teacher because they kept looking like that kid wasn't there. Like somebody else was going to have to answer. I believe that's what verse 10 is doing. Here we are. We fight our emotions and we deal with our emotions. Why? We're human. And we have this desperately wicked heart that wants to lead us off a cliff. And we're like, I'm, I'm struggling with anger. I'm struggling with this feeling, this doubt, this fear. All these emotions in our heart. And the Lord's going, ooh, ooh. I, the Lord, I can help you with that. But what do you got to do? Number one, allow God to have access. Number two, let's keep reading. Verse 10, I, the Lord, <clears throat> search the hearts. Search the heart. Then watch what he does when he searches them. I try the reins. Now, the reason God wants access to your heart is because he's wanting to try the reins, okay? Our authority, he's wanting to try our strength. Now, number two, I want you to notice when God goes inside the heart, here's what he's about to do. God desires to sort out all of those emotions, and he wants to appraise them. This is number two. If we want to learn how to handle our heart, number two, we've got to accept God's appraisals. Accept God's appraisals, okay? So you say, boy, I wish God would help me sort out the emotions of my heart. Okay, very good. God wants to help you do that. He says, I will search your heart. And when I get in there, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try the reins. God is going to begin sorting through all of the emotions and the intents of our heart. And he's going to begin to give them an appraisal. Now, every time I hear the word appraisal, I can't help but think about Antiques Roadshow. Uh, you ever watch that on PBS? Uh, it's one of the few clean things out there, you know, and we'll watch that, and uh, one day we're going to go. You know, everybody has a treasure, right? Everybody has a treasure that's worth millions, and you're going to retire on it, aren't you? All right? And so all these people line up at Antiques Roadshow, and they got this clock, or they got this goofy statue, they got something, and they go to the appraiser, and he says, what do we have here? You know, look, if you ever go there, don't tell the appraiser what you have. Because half the time those people don't know what they have and they look really goofy when the appraiser tells them what they have. And so they say, well, my great-grandfather, my great-great-great-grandfather passed this down. It was used by Napoleon. And it was Napoleon's alarm clock that he kept by his bed in his tent when he was on the battlefield. And he said, it's worth about $2 million is what my grandmother said. And we're going to sell it and retire and move to Fiji. And all of a sudden the appraiser flips it over. He says, do you see that right there on the bottom? It says, made in China. And they're just thinking to themselves, well, my great-great-grandfather, I hate to tell you this, okay? We all got sinners in our family tree. Somebody lied along the way because it was made in China, okay, probably about 50 years ago. And they said, well, what is it worth? He says, about a buck 50. You can't retire on a buck 50. All right, so hear me out, hear me out. That's what God wants to do with the thoughts, emotions, and intents of our heart. He says, number one, allow me access. I want to search the heart, and then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try the reins. Now understand this. God is a certified emotion appraiser. God is the only one who can rightfully and justly sort through and try the reins of our heart. 
Only God can do that. Now, li- listen to me. If you and I do it, we're going to be biased. Have you ever been disappointed in yourself? And I'm saying this from my experience. Maybe you haven't, but I have. Have you ever been disappointed in yourself at things you've justified? I have. I have justified unkindness. I have justified unforgiveness in my life. Uh, I have justified, well, you know, what do we say? Well, I just tell it like it is. You know, sometimes you ought to tell it like it is, but the Bible says truth and love. There's a mixture there that God wants us to walk in wisdom toward them that are without. God says there's a way we ought to go about doing things. Can I tell you, God's the only one who can appraise our emotions and our feelings. That's why he says this in verse 10, I try the reins. Psalms 78, 37, let me read this verse for you right quick. The Bible says, for their heart was not right with him, neither steadfast in his covenant. Now, when you read that passage, here's what's amazing about the context. The Bible says their heart was not right with him. Now, who is saying that, God? God can, all right? If you're having chest pains, as Brother Wayne was having chest pains the other day in the emergency room, he doesn't need to come talk to me. Because all I'm going to tell him is either take an aspirin or a Tums. That's the extent of my cardiology career. Okay? Uh, aspirin or a Tums. Brother Wayne the other night needed a cardiologist, somebody who knows hearts, to be able to tell him, hey, it's either heartburn or, listen, you're about to die. He needs to know from an authority on the subject what's really going on. Folks, something as dangerous as our heart. Verse 9, what does it say? It's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. As dangerous as our heart is, shouldn't we get an expert opinion? Shouldn't we? This is something that could kill us. We hurt other people. We can malign the name of Christ. So therefore, here's what we need to do. We need to allow the Lord to appraise our our ideas and appraise our emotions that we're, we're having. Now, why is this important? Well, what is our heart? The heart is the very seat of our being. Who we are, what we do, how we speak, how we treat other people. That emanates from our heart. That's why our heart's got to be healthy. Our heart's got to be healthy. So we regularly need to go for checkups. How do we do that? Well, let me show you right quick. Turn to to your right to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. How to handle your heart. You've got to accept God's appraisal, meaning let God in, number one, give him access. Number two, let him appraise your feelings, your emotions. Why? Because you're going to be a biased judge. Hebrews chapter 4, look down the verse we know well, but I want you to see something in light of the message tonight. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now watch what the sword does. Piercing. That's almost like conviction, isn't it? Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. Watch this. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You say, well, man, my goodness, how do I know what emotions are good and what emotions are not good and what uh, feelings are good and what feelings are, should be thrown out? Let God appraise it. Let God tell you exactly the value of what is in there. You say, well, how do I know what's valuable to God? For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces deep as conviction goes deep and it divides. Folks, can I tell you, the best thing that you can do is allow that word of God to divide the good from the bad on the thoughts and intents of our heart. Let the word, you know when the Bible says preach the word? It means cut it straight. Cut it straight. The word of God is going to cut it straight. It is going to show you exactly what is in the right and exactly what's in the wrong. That's why you and I have got to let the word of God in. 
allow God access through his word to get in our heart to sort it out and discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. So number two, how do we handle our heart? Well, number one, allow God access. Let him in. You've got to let him in. Number two, accept his appraisal, whatever he tells you, whatever he tries. And he says, look, that's a junk clock from China. I love it when those people say, well, I'm going to get a second opinion. Go right ahead. Go right ahead, but he's the expert. All right, you came, you drove all the way from Albuquerque to get this thing looked at, and then you bring it up there, and he says, yeah, Napoleon never had a clock like that. Number one, it's a digital clock, okay? He didn't have that back then. Well, I'm just going to get a second opinion. That's how we do with God. Watch. Whether you're reading the Word of God, listening to the Word of God. My wife was putting on her makeup the other day, and she always listens to the Bible while she's putting her makeup on. And I'm just walking by getting dressed, and all of a sudden, uh, the, the, the Alexander Scorby, the guy who does it, dramatized, reading the Word of God. All of a sudden, he begins quoting Christ out of the book of John. I'm not even dressed yet. And the Holy Spirit, wham! He hits me right there. I'm like, wait a minute, I haven't got my shoes on yet. You know what it did? It pierced me. And all of a sudden, it began to cut it straight. I'm like, wait, I haven't even had my coffee yet. You know, but that's what the Word of God does. We don't need a second opinion on what God says. God says, let me try it. You're thinking, well, what if he goes in there and he tries it and he tells me the emotions that I'm having are junk? Then it's junk. Got to get rid of it. Why? Because if we don't get rid of it, it's going to come out in our lives. Number two, accept God's appraisal. Number three, I got you four, okay? I got four, so you're just going to have to bear with me, all right? Verse 10, I, the Lord, search the hearts, all right? Allow him access. Number two, I try the reins. Accept his appraisal. When he tries it, accept what he says. And then watch this. Why is he doing this? Oh, it's so important. There's an outcome to what he's going to try. The Bible says, even to give every man according to his ways. So notice the Bible says that because of what we have in there, God says, I'm going to try it, and I'm going to give you according to your ways. God says there's an outcome to the emotions of our heart. Now, we know that already, don't we? We know there's an outcome to the emotions of our heart that if we hold on to those good things, those right things, it'll produce good fruit in our life. But if we hold on to those emotions that don't need to be in there, oh, we know there's an outcome to that as well. But watch what he says. To give every man according to his ways. Number three tonight, how to handle your heart. Acknowledge personal accountability. There's going to be accountability to the ways that we choose to keep in our heart. I'm going to give to every man according to his ways. You see, our way is up to us, isn't it? You ever gone your own way? I mean, I think we all have, right? What do we say? I want my way. I'm, I'll never forget, never forget years ago when my dad was a youth pastor. And so that would have put me a kid uh, there. And boy, we had a couple of kids in our church, uh, teenagers. They just wanted their way. They wanted their boy and a girl. They want to do what they want. They didn't want to be told what to do. And um, I'll never forget that boy telling me after we left church that night, I wish they would just leave us alone and let us do what we want to do. I wish they'd just leave us alone and let us do what we want to do. Now, what we were trying to do was save him, or they were trying to do, I was still a kid, save him from his way. Save him from his way. He would eventually lose his life, but he would lose it his way. His, his girlfriend would raise their child 
without a dad, never meeting her dad. Why? He got his way. Now, folks, understand there are outcomes to our way. Proverbs 14, 12. Brother Richard was here. He quoted it for me. The Bible says, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end. What is it? The end. The Bible says death. That's what's at the end. So understand, watch this. We get to choose our way, but in choosing our way, we're also choosing our accountability. That when we choose to say, you know what? God goes, God, I'm going to give you access to my heart. God comes into the heart. He begins trying the reins. He begins trying the emotions that we are holding in our heart. And God says, okay, get rid of that one. God says, no, that's a good one. Hold on to that. Get rid of this one. That's going to hurt you. And we're like, no, no, I'm going to hold on to this one. I like this one. I'm going to hold on to this emotion of my heart. And God says, okay, you're free to do that, but you're going to reap the outcome of that. Why? Because I give, what does it say, to every man according to his ways. I remember before I got married, you know, I didn't get married until I was 25, and so I had a lot of time to think about it. And I remember all of the great ideas I had on marriage. I think we all were probably there at some extent. And how we were going to build our home and what we were going to do. And, you know, the men were going to be the man of our castle. Amen, Brother Michael. Still the king of your castle, right? Amen. When Miss Evelyn gives him permission, he is. And man, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Or maybe you're a wife. He said, well, I'll tell you what it's going to be like at my home. It's going to be like this. And I'm, I'm a 2023 girl and it's going to be this way. It's going to be that way. And I remember as a young man, older men telling me, we'll see. We'll see. And uh, you know what? I, I have seen. I have seen. I had some really dumb ways bouncing around in here before I got married. Anybody else? Boy, I get this idea. This is how it's going to be. This is gonna be. I remember. Now, this is not a bad one, but I remember me and Leslie were going to be good parents, okay? We've given up on it, but we were going to try. Our daughter was never going to have French fries, never going to eat a Big Mac, she was going to love vegetables except for celery. She was going to love fruit. I mean, Miley was just going to be this kid who loved all natural stuff and all of that. And I don't know what went wrong. I can't get her to eat vegetables. If God grows it, she hates it. You put a chicken nugget in front of her and you put a drumstick, ask her which one's real. She'll point to the dinosaur-shaped chicken nugget. She'll ask, what is that? I mean, it's just, it's, I don't know what happened. I went wrong. We had some good ideas in the beginning. She loved bananas, and she would always squish the blueberries on her little high chair in the kitchen. And she would always squish them before she eats them. She's my kid. She's weird. Uh, and now she doesn't like blueberries. Now she thinks bananas are slimy and nasty. And I had some good ideas going into it, but isn't it amazing how our ideas change? Now watch. The Word of God is to help us change our ideas before we have to live the outcome of our ideas. That's what the Word of God is. We allow the Word of God, which is quick and powerful and sharp, to pierce deep, to discern all the emotions of the heart, the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Why? Because God loves us enough to not want us to live the outcomes of them. Isn't that great? The other day I went to the doctor and I uh, went to the dermatologist. I have to go once a year, and they look at moles and freckles and all of that. And I love at the end of that visit when he says, Mr. Andrews, you look good. I said, well, my wife tells me that. He says, no, your, 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 your moles look good. And he says, you don't have to come and see me for another year. You know why I go in there? Preventative. Preventative. Uh, I don't want the outcome of skin cancer. My wife's great-grandmother died of a melanoma skin cancer. Just didn't catch it in time. Do you know why? 
God wants you to know your heart is desperately wicked and deceitful, just like mine. He says, I, I want you to allow me access, and then let me appraise things. Why? Well, because there's accountability to the emotions of your heart. Watch what he says. To give every man according to his ways. So number three tonight, how do we handle our heart? Acknowledge personal accountability. That's why David said, Psalms 141.3, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Do you know sometimes what my words are? They're my emotions that got verbalized. Have your emotions ever got verbalized? Come on now. Maybe you're better Christians than I am. My emotions have gotten verbalized before. There have been something swirling around in here that I did not allow God to try and discern. And all of a sudden, it made it up the pipe and out the lips. And can I tell you, the accountability for what came out of my mouth has been rough at times in my life. I think we've all been there. That's why we've got to allow the, watch this. David said, set a watch over my mouth. What is he saying? God, I want you to try the reins of my heart. Search me. Know me. Finally, let me give you this. Verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart, allow God access. Number two, I try the reins. Be sure you let him appraise your heart and your mind and the thoughts that are there. Even to give every man according to his ways, understand you're going to be accountable for the thoughts and intents of your heart. Finally, and according to the fruit of his doings, according to the fruit of his doings. Here's what he's saying. God says, you ought to let me sort things out. Why? Because in the end, there's this matter of fruit. You want that the life that we live, the deeds that we do, the things that we say, you want there to be fruit, right? Something lasting and something eternal. Therefore, we ought to allow God access so he can appraise it because we know we're going to be accountable, number four, so that we can aspire to what will abide. You know I had to stick with the A's, okay? I had three with A's. We had to stick with it. Number four, you ought to aspire to what will abide. What does that mean? That means you ought to let God have access because you want what's in there to produce fruit. You don't want anything in there that's dead weight that's going to be worthless. And I'll give you an example. Some of you ladies may understand this way better than I, I do. Several years ago, I was on an international flight getting ready to leave Jackson, Mississippi to Detroit before we went to Amsterdam. And a pastor and his wife went with me. And we're on this plane together, and we went through security check, and also they opened up the bag, and uh, she had her makeup bag in there. And uh, man, it's, it's this, this roll that rolls out, it's like that long, and it's like a, a tackle box, but for girls, and there's all of this stuff that is in there. And uh, all of a sudden, the lady begins to take some of the tubes and the bottles out from the lady's tackle box that is there, and she says, this is over, if I'm not mistaken, three ounces. And the lady says, Okay, what does that mean? She says, if you can't take it with you. She says, but that's Merle Norman. Surprised I knew that, right? Yeah. I got a little class. She says, but that's Merle Norman. It's $70 a bottle. She says, well, I'm, I'm sorry. It's over the limit and it can't go with you. And I'm like, step back. It's fixing to get rough. The lady needs her makeup. It's fixing to go down right here in Jackson, Mississippi. And she said, oh, and by the way, this cream, it can't go either. And I'm like, lady, stop while you're ahead. I know she's a pastor's wife, but her heart's evil just like my heart's evil. And she's fixing to have some emotions that you want to have no part of. And she went through that thing and went through that thing. And I don't know, it was four, five, six different bottles of stuff that evidently cost hundreds of dollars. 
and begrudgingly she threw it in the garbage. All for, the, all for Christ was on a missions trip, okay? So she did it for the Lord. I'm sure the Lord replaced it for her. But boy, I thought about it, man. All of that money invested in all of that stuff, and she packed it in her bag but couldn't take it with her. She invested all of that for it to go into the garbage. You know tonight why you ought to let God pierce deep inside your heart, allow him access, let him appraise what's in there? Because there's an accountability one day, and you want to be able to fill that small space of your heart with things that are going to abide, things you get to keep. How sad it would be for us to take that priceless real estate of our heart and to fill it with things that we don't get to take with us. And they're not going to be fruitful. What did he say? And according to the fruit of his doings. You know, I think about Achan. Achan stole that gold and that Babylonian garment and the silver. And that, that that he took, God says, you don't need that. God says, you don't need that. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Well, Achan says, no, I need that. I need that in my life. And so Achan brought it back and he buried it under the tent there at his house where his family was. So number one, he held on to something God says you ought to not even have in the first place. And then suddenly they find out, Joshua finds out, they lose the battle and sin was in the camp and they go down to the ranks and they finally narrow it down to a man named Achan and Achan says, yes, I have something inside my tent that doesn't need to be there. And So they go and they dig it up and they bring it and then they take Achan and all of that and his family and they stone them in the valley of Achor. Well, you look at Achan, watch this and I'm done. Achan paid a, a heavy, heavy price for something he could not keep. He paid a heavy price for something he could not keep. His children paid the price. His mom, I mean, his wife paid the price. He paid the price. All of his pro- they all paid the price for something he can't keep. Here's the sad thing. I believe in our life today, here's what we're doing. We are paying a heavy, heavy price to bury things in our heart that God says, number one, you don't want, you don't want that in there. That's going to cost you dearly. As a matter of fact, you're not even going to be able to keep the things that you're holding on to. So what do we need to do tonight? Well, we've got to learn how to handle our heart. How do we handle our heart? Well, we're all going to deal with it because we all have a heart. Quickly, let God have access tonight. I, the Lord, search the heart. Would you do that tonight? Would you allow the Lord, as David said, search me, oh God, to know my heart? Would you give God a search warrant to go inside your heart and say, oh, you have this emotion, you have this a feeling, listen to me, listen to me. You can get a lot of trouble by what's floating around in there. You ought to let a certified heart appraiser in there. Allow him access and then let him tell you, Hey, this is good. This can stay. This has got to go. This is going to cost you. Why? Number three, accountability. I will give to every man according to his ways. When we could be putting things and holding things in our heart that produces fruit. Emotions can make you do things you you don't want to do, and they cost you dearly. Uh, The other night, last night, Riley and I went hog hunting. He invited me to go hog hunting, and so we went and sat out in a deer stand looking for pigs last night, and evidently both Riley and I's prayer life is not up to speed because they didn't come out. Uh, we had a good time fellowshipping out there, and we're sitting there, and after that, we went and helped uh, one of our folks and shot a deer last night, and so about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, we're in Purvis helping one of our folks find a deer, and we're blood trailing this deer through the woods and trying to find the deer that they shot, and uh, I told Riley, I says, years ago, uh, I shot a deer, and I made a bad shot on this deer. 
And that's just, that's, that's horrible when you, when you make a bad shot like that. And I trailed that deer and trailed that deer. And I got so mad, I told Riley I had a $1,200 bow and arrow I just bought. I wasn't married at the time, so I could afford it. And uh, finally, after I finally found the deer and realized how a horrible shot I made, I took that $1,200 bow and I chunked it as far as I could out in the woods. About five minutes later, I thought, well, that was dumb. That was dumb. Now I'm here in Alabama hunting on this very expensive hunt, and I don't have anything to hunt with. And so I go to this sawbriar patch, and I begin to dig my bow out of the bushes, and I thought to myself, boy, I, I'm glad it was only a bow. If you're not careful, your emotions will get the best of you. It'll cost you dearly. That's why tonight we all say, Lord, I know my heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. I'm giving you access. Would you come in and appraise it? Because I want to be held accountable to something that will abide tonight. God says that's how we handle our heart. Heads are bowed.